When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Vernomatic Productions. Are you ready? Live from the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. And heard around the world by metalheads just like you. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Heavy metal music. Your weekly dose of metal music. Interviews, album reviews, news, and more. Want to be part of the show? Send us a message through our website, MetalMayhemROC.com. Or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Search Metal Mayhem ROC. A proud member of the Pantheon podcast team. It's getting nice and heavy. And now, welcome to tonight's host, John the Vernomatic Verno. Good evening, everybody. As always, Thursday night's new content drops. September's here. The NFL's back tonight. And we're here with a really cool interview. Tonight's episode, we welcome Brittany Chapman onto the show. Now, Brittany, she's the daughter of the late, great Paul Chapman from UFO and Wasted fame. Well, she just so happens to be friends with our very own Southern Kale and his wife, Heidi. About two, three weeks ago, Southern Kale and Heidi and Brittany met up at the Quiet Riot show up in Cocoa Beach, Florida. And little did they know that their good friend Brittany Chapman just so happened to be the daughter of Paul Chapman. It's a cool connection, and you'll hear all about it in the interview. That's coming up in just a second. But first, I want to remind you to join our community by getting up to that MetalMayhemROC.com website and sign up for our weekly newsletter. This is our chance to stay in touch with you surrounding new podcast episodes, reminders for our Monday night live radio show on Metal Devastation Radio, or any other content that we put out there. Have it be our new YouTube channel or blog posts that we do, CD reviews. It's all up there at MetalMayhemROC.com. Recent shows, last week we had Udo, Dirk Schneider, His new solo album, Touchdown, he was here talking about that release. A couple weeks ago, we had Adam Dubin, the filmmaker who's worked with Metallica in his very own project, Murder in the Front Row, that story about the San Francisco thrash scene. And a couple weeks earlier, we had Stefan Chirarzi and Renee Richardson of the Met Report podcast. So again, get up to that MetalMayhemROC.com website, join our community, check out some of these past shows. There's about 165 episodes up there. Rate, subscribe, and review all these. That really helps. So uh, let me get my brother in metal from South Florida. He goes by the name Southern Cal. Cal, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing good, Vern. I'm doing real good. Looking forward to this uh, Brittany Chapman podcast release. What an adventure that was, and it and went well beyond what I was expecting. Uh, the living Chapman, growing up Chapman. Cal, let me ask you. Give me one or two or three examples of little teasers on this interview that the listeners could look forward to. Well, you're going to find out when Brittany would wake up in the morning, who'd be sleeping on the couch, what different band, sleeping on the couch, sleeping on the floor, maybe on a uh, lazy chair out by the poolside, uh, just some good stuff there. And the fact that Paul, I we saw, got to see a lot of pictures, and we uh, that in every picture except for if he was hugging his daughter at his wedding, the guy's carrying a guitar around and constantly jamming. He's grilling and jamming, you know, partying and jamming, swimming and jamming, all in one. It was just, uh, what a great informative story from Brittany. Growing up Chapman. Growing up Chapman, it's the only way we could uh, title it. So uh, that's what we have tonight, but quickly... Up here at Metal Mayhem ROC, we are really putting some emphasis on our YouTube channel. And we do a lot of content on there that may not make it onto the podcast. Kel, quickly tell us about what you're involved with and the latest project that you've been working on. Um, You know, everybody's heard of Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth. Well, Vern, we got a new series. We've teamed up with Online Metal Promo uh, to promote some of these bands that they're involved with 
Um, these are all bands like Seven Train, Love and War, Eog, Santa Escuridad, which is an all Spanish band, which you should check out. You'll love it. Uh, to, to bring some spotlight onto these bands. They're all working hard. Some have been around for a few years. Some are just getting started. Some are just looking for that one break that might just push them over the edge. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Ben over at Online Metal Promo, the roster of bands he has on there are the bands that we subscribe to. You know, they're like more in line with the traditional heavy metal bands, straight ahead guitars and, you know, solid vocals. And these bands have history. Like, uh, what's this band you're talking about? The Santa Diago? It's uh, Larry Berrigan from Hellstar. This is one of his side projects. Uh, One of their things that's a big scene that's kind of building momentum in the Houston area all spanish uh sung in spanish i believe all the members of this band are of hispanic descent and uh it's just something very different but it jams it's it's, it jams and it's when you find little nuggets like this out there it gives you faith that the the metal scene is still alive it's alive and kicking so again southern cal he has a series up on the metal mayhem roc youtube channel get up to our website I redesigned it. There's just a big, huge action button that will get you to YouTube. Good work on that, Cal. Thanks, Ron. So uh, let's get into this. Uh, Growing up Chapman, Brittany Chapman, the story of a rock and roll daughter. For my co-host, Southern Cal, I'm the Vernomatic. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Tonight's show, we have a fun one. We're going down to Southern Kale's Turf down in South Florida, Melbourne area, and we have a new friend of the show. Her name's Brittany Chapman. She's a 37-year-old metalhead, and she's got some heavy metal roots in the family. She's the daughter of the late, great Paul Chapman of UFO fame, Wasted, and several other acts. Brittany, welcome to Metal Mayhem ROC. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. This was great. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Uh, like to reintroduce you to your buddy, Southern Kale. Hey. Great seeing you know, the other night, Quiet Riot. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. They were awesome. Yes, ma'am. They fucking rock. Yeah, they were so good. <laughs> you know, Southern Kale, he's our South Florida correspondent. He told me he was going to the Quiet Riot show. So I'm hanging out, watching a little YouTube, just uh, relaxing, and Kale sending me pictures. And he sends me this picture of... uh. These two really good-looking girls. One's Cal's wife, and the other one was Brittany. And the caption said, here's Heidi with Brittany Chapman, Paul Chapman's daughter. I'm like, what? (laughs) You know, how is this flying under the radar? So as it turns out, Paul retired in his later years to South Florida. He was living there. Southern Cal has his uh, restaurant, and he's been living down there over 30 years. And I guess Heidi and uh, Brittany are uh, BFFs. So. You know what? What we're going to do tonight, Brittany, is um, we're going to talk about your relationship with your father, you growing up, Chapman. That's what we're billing it as. And just the stories of growing up with your father, but more importantly, the outreach of the rock and roll community that played with your father for well over 40 plus years. It's truly amazing. So once again, condolences on the passing of your father. I've lost my dad. Southern Cal's lost his father. So It's always cool to, you know, revisit, if you will, just a little bit. I'm going to let Kale take over and uh, navigate this. We're going to have some fun with it. So, John, go ahead. Well, again, Brittany, welcome to the show. Like we said, we ran into each other at the Choir Riot show. I was blown away at the way you talked about your father. Um, Passion and love. It was really, like I, I told you, this is why I wanted to sit down and talk to you about things. Not only to get to know, um, as our fans would like to know um, more about Paul from the UFO, but growing up Chapman, uh, you know, two different views. Um, I would view Paul as a rock and roll star in UFO, where you didn't really know that, you said, until after he had uh, passed away that you didn't realize how famous he was. So your eyes were just... It's the daughter looking at the father. You know, this is my dad. This isn't all the shredder. Yeah. You know, that's all the dad who's taken me to 
Meg O'Malley's or over to Frankie's or, you know, wherever, you know, Disney World. Yeah. This is the all the dad. So talk to us about how you didn't really realize how famous your father was until after his passing. So growing up, you it was the normalcy to me and the complete abnormalcy to everybody else of my childhood was it's it's mind boggling because it was like, oh, that's not normal. Um, having a rock star dad, but you didn't see him as a rock star. He was a family man. He if he could have had 20 kids, he would have. <laughs> but he, you know, he was a big family man. He loved to gather people. He was constantly hosting parties at the house on the weekends. Um, there was people in and out of the house and a lot of them were famous people that I didn't know were famous people because they're just people, you know, and you don't see the the icons that you see on stage as just people. But, you know, so these people are just, you know, when Pete Way spent two weeks at the house, it was just like, oh, it's crazy. Uncle Pete. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. and it, and a, lot then, of, a lot of uncles in the family. You know, I mean, it, it, it's just it was it was it, it was wild. But after like, I mean, I started to know when when he started, when the internet really started to peak, like MySpace times, when everybody started getting on the MySpace pages, um, he started a fan page. And that's where he was really active with his fans. And I would go on there and like read some of his stories and stuff, but it still didn't click. Like, And then, you know, I think the biggest one was when um, the whole Ozzy tour came up. I believe it was the Diary of a Madman tour. And he had a big poster in the house and once you start to realize the Osbournes came out with the reality show on TV. So then it's like, oh, well, my dad played with him, you know, and then it was it was like, a, oh, OK, that's cool. But then after he passed and the people that reached out to me, it was like, what? Um, what? You know, you're 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 finding a way to contact me to send condolences of your friend. To, you, you know what I mean? Like, but I'm looking at this person as like. You know, when I got the the text message from Phil Campbell of Motorhead, my mouth dropped. Oh, then, yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, it's Phil, you know, and 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 he was so sweet and and uh, talking to you know Phil Call and all of those people, and then and then the the people that reached out from all over the world, like people in Japan, people in China, people in well, not really China, but like Japan was one of his favorite places to tour. Um, and so like people reaching out, I had to get translators. I was on the phone with people in different countries. Like I had to have a planner to where I could coordinate because of the time differences. It was extremely chaotic, but it helped me grieve a lot more hearing these stories of, you know, sure. and every single person that I talked to, every single one, he was a, a great man. He was a loyal friend to everybody. He was a bright energy. He was a, a beautiful being of light, if you will. Let me stick this in there real quick. The, you mentioned him um, liking to have the parties on the weekends and the dinner parties. Well, I talked to our mutual friend, Nicole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and she told me her first uh, meeting of your father was at one of these dinners. Mm -hmm. And how he would like to always announce that dinner will be ready at 6. And Nicole said, I don't think that ever happened once. It was usually like 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. And then. In her uh, best English accent, she said, uh, when your father said, you're so small, you could fit right under my armpits. And he put an arm around her. And sure enough, she, and, uh, and you know, again, just here's here's Paul the dad, not the part, not the rock star, Paul the dad, just being a, his, a friend to his daughter's friend and just the low, just the regular guy that he was, that yeah. everybody, you know, he just happened to play guitar for UFO. So it was a nice story from Nicole. That, and I I can see that, that whole scene because uh, Nicole face when he stuck his head, her head in his armpit, she was like, oh, because he would, he had been cooking all night. So he always wore tank tops and he would be sweating, but we had amps in the kitchen. We had guitar amps in the dining room. We had a drum kit in the dining room at one time. So in between his cooking, he would perform. We're just like, can you hurry up? We're starving. <laughs> like, and who, and then that's how it was almost every weekend. Every weekend was a party. So as we started to get older and our friends were able to drive, like we would all drive to my dad's house and 
sit there and watch him play and cook. And it was some of the best experiences of a lot of people's memories with him. Um, and then learning after his passing, like he was the, the cook on the road. He loved to cook for everybody when they were on the road. And there was a time where they didn't have any money. And um, I believe it was Andy Parker told me this story of when he stole a bunch of food from uh, uh, a grocery store and a bottle of scotch. So they had a crock pot on the road and he just grabbed a bunch of stuff he could throw in the crock pot and a bottle of scotch and they were fine. But um, he he wanted to take care of people. He was a very nurturing, he had a very nurturing spirit of taking care of everybody, but also having that main character energy of, well, I can make a great curry. That was his famous dish. And I can also rip on the guitar while I'm stirring the curry. And that's what he did. And that was normal for me. <laughs> it was normal for everybody. You mentioned, um, you just said that he is very nurturing. That mm-hmm. leads me to my next question. Correct me if I'm wrong. Paul had four marriages. Yeah. So yeah, tell us a little bit about, well, your mother and your, your family chapter, but the, the other mothers, how is all that? It was wonderful. Um, my mom, um, my mom was wife number two and, um, she had two kids with him, but she also had a son and my dad had a son before they were together. Um, so my mom is actually the real like goat of the whole story. She is, she moved to another country with him, had his kids while he went on tour, took care of all of us in a, you know, two bedroom flat in the UK, not knowing anybody, not knowing anything. You know, she was 26 years old. My dad was 28. Um, so my mom, I think of like the wind beneath my wings song. You know, he was always front and center. My mom was in the shadows, but she was the one taking care of all of everything. Because there's behind every great man, there is a badass woman. Yeah. <laughs> Her breaking point with my dad was waking up, getting the kids ready for school, and all the roadies from Poison were passed out drunk on the floor. And she was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I can't. I got <laughs> kids to get ready for school. You've got your friends over her that are passed out on the floor. Like, you know, but my parents stayed very, very close for the sake of the kids. And so she had a relationship with every wife after the, the next two wives. So um, wife number three, her name was Terry. And um, they were together for about 12, 13 years. And she was great. She was a, a great, they they owned a guitar shop together. Um, he was doing um, guitar lessons in a studio downtown Melbourne. And um, so she would do guitar repairs and he would do lessons. And so they, you know, I actually don't even really know what happened during that whole situation. I just remember it being like, okay, we're done. <laughs> and it was very odd. But then he remarried uh debbie and debbie was they were together for 18 years and debbie was a um a flute player she played the flute she could play the cello um she was she could read music she was very musical um she's super smart she was great she was a great stepmother to me as well i i've been very blessed with the wives that my dad has chosen because everybody got along and there was no ever no animosity, no drama, you know, even if it was split holidays, my mom would spend the holidays with us and, the, you know, and it was, it was a very loving family. We were all one big family. What about siblings? So he has a son um, named Tice. Tice lives in the UK. Um, and my mom has a son, Bobby, who I was telling you about. Tice and Bobby are my yeah. older brothers, obviously my half brothers. And then my parents had my brother, Sean, and I together. But then Terry had a son, and Debbie has a daughter. So I, I had step-siblings constant. It, I like Having a lot of siblings meant the house was never calm. <laughs> the Brady Bunch. <laughs> it was. It was extremely chaotic, but it was normal. It, chaos was so normal, which is wild, because like I talk to people, and I tell them things, and they're like, Okay. <laughs> like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> did did your siblings and step siblings did they have their own unique relationship with their fathers as 
you know, looking up to your father as the rock star, if you will? Or did, were they just disenchanted with that? Because, um, you know, you're a rocker, and but maybe they weren't into it. Oh, um, they were. They all were. Um, my brother Tice is a drummer. Uh, my brother Bobby plays okay. bass. Uh, my brother Sean and I never really got into playing anything. I I like not like we spoke. I like to know about music knowledge. Um, I guess that's from all the storytelling <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Um, but they they've been musically inclined with you know different they bobby likes to play everything and he's a i couldn't pick what music i liked until i was older because they were it was constant metal in the house between you know one brother's jamming anthrax in one room one's going through the brunch stage in the other room and you know i'm (laughs) i'm like ah I was I couldn't I wasn't allowed to like anything like I I couldn't listen to the music they'd come in and turn it off I remember I got a, a Sheena Easton CD and uh, that was the that I was allowed to play. <laughs> my brothers were kind of ruthless when it came to me putting music on <laughs> that's awesome that there was such a like four marriages mm-hmm. and your father and it's a testament to his soul mm-hmm. that. You know, these are just relationships. And isn't that what life is? Absolutely. It, it sounds like what you're saying. It was just moving on. He wasn't ending relationships. He was just adding to the Chapman legacy, if you will. So I was very fortunate with that because like every people that I talk to that come from divorced families don't ever get blessed with yeah. anything like that, you know, so everybody uh debbie did pass away a year before my dad did and that was really really hard um to see him go through a heartbreak like that um because you see him as uh, a superior as a superhero as a you know and when you see somebody so vulnerable and broken you know it killed me to see because there was no way i could help heal him at all you know so that was that was a little that was a rough patch, but um, getting to know him as Tonka has been amazing. It really has. Like, it, it was it, a Tonka truck, right? Is that how that nickname started? Um, so I've heard three stories, <laughs> and there's so many times where I, I just I'm like, I wish I, I, I wish I could call him and ask him because now I'm hearing things. A lot of people are restricting on what they tell me too because he was wild. He was very. He was big into the drugs and booze. I mean, all of UFO was, from what I've heard, they were crazy rock and roll, like, partiers. So he was one of the hardest ones that he was indestructible. They called him Tonka. But um, I did, you know, I heard some one person gave him the name. I heard somebody else gave him the name. So I don't know exactly. But um, in 2015, so when I was born, it was when he was with Wasted and they did a tour after I was born and then they were, he, he moved to Florida. So I never got to experience at older wise, like him being gone or him, he was always there, you know, but my brothers got to, you know, when he was on tour with UFO or doing this, they got to have that whole experience of getting to go backstage at Judas Priest, getting to go backstage at Motley Crue getting, cause that was where they, he was at the peak touring with them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, sometimes when he's telling my brothers, tell me stories, I'm like, I didn't get any of that. But, you know, <laughs> I got the the best part. I got him fully focused on family care as opposed to being gone, touring, working, basically, you know. But my brothers got to experience a lot of cool things um, when they were younger with different rock stars. And I I would get like a little envious. But then I'm like, nope, I'm 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 glad I got the the relaxed. Tonka. <laughs> well, you were born in 1986, so you know you're a late to the party. I was really late. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, you know what? And and honestly, when did Pops join UFO? 80, 81? Like, well, he played with them earlier, but he started recording. 78 to 83. Yeah. And that's another thing, too, we were talking about. You know, he didn't play a lot of UFO at, at home growing up. You know, a lot of his. Um, I actually found a list I could, I got to find somewhere, but of his top 12 most influential albums 
that. Oh man, it'd be a great list. Yeah, I'll find that for you. Um, but you know, Beatles, Pink Floyd, The Who, um, and then I was telling him, man, man was like his favorite. And you know, depending on the nights, like he'd get up in the middle of dinner and just start doing licks on the guitar because something like popped in his head. And then he'd put on the Welsh men's choir and be like, everybody listen to how beautiful this song has been. Like, this spaghetti's awesome. (laughs) It's a great appreciation for music. Um, You know, the same way that people in Iron Maiden and Angel Witch and Def Leppard all looked at your father. Oh, yeah. Uh, You told me about going backstage and Kurt Hammett being in awe of your father. And you, in turn, are sitting there looking at Kurt Hammett being in uh, enthralled with Kurt Hammett, you know, it's the, the big school there. So, Brittany, uh, quickly retell that story. You told it to me last night, and uh, it was really a cool story. He took me to three or four major concerts. Like, we saw uh, Metallica and Godsmack, and um, I can't remember who else was on that tour. So, we get backstage, and a security guard is like one person at a time. And I was underage, but I drank. <laughs> so my dad, like, you guys wait here. I'm going to run back and, you know, see what it's like back there. And I looked at the security guard and I said, no, I'm not going to wait right here. Do you know? And like, and then I pulled that. I'm Paul Chapman's daughter card. I never do that. Like, I've never been like, hey. And I walked into the room and Kirk was shaking my dad's hand in like complete awe. And he was like, oh, my God. Paul Chapman. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and my dad's like, oh, that's my daughter who's not supposed to be back here right now. And I was like, oh, I don't listen to people. You know that, you know, so I got to meet Eric and and talk to him. And he was like, your dad is a guitar god. You know, he filled these shoes. And I'm just like, yeah, 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 whatever, you know. And I'm like, so you're, you're like, I'm like, oh, God, holy shit, you know. So it, it, it's it's been, I feel like also um, after his passing, um, I've met a lot more his celebrity friends more than he was around which is a little sad but he kind of kept to himself a bit a lot more like throughout the later years i mean he would tell stories and you it, i became so accustomed to listening to stories that like the reality of what he was actually saying now is like oh that was that guy you know what i mean like i he talked about them like they were just like friends, you know, not that they were huge, famous people or, you know, big celebrities. They were buddies. And like um, the first person I, I talked to was Phil Collin after he passed. Phil Collin was in Girl and Girl did their first tour with UFO. So him and my dad clicked right away and Phil was I mean I have pictures of Phil having Sunday dinner with my grandparents <laughs> like it's crazy it's good it's nuts like I I even sent it to him when I had to go through all my dad's stuff I'm like do you remember this he's like oh my gosh your grandparents were such lovely people and you know like and so when I was talking to Phil he's just like you know your dad was a great teacher for me he taught me a lot he taught us most of things not to do while on tour <laughs> than what to do on tour. I knew my dad was not just a regular person just because like his personality was something like I every every weekend because my parents had joint custody. So the weekends were for my dad's house. So the weekends were always a celebration just of life, just being alive. He would have he loved to cook. If you I don't know if you saw it, but on YouTube, I threw a concert for him for his celebration of life. Um, and I got a bunch of testimonials from like um, Phil Campbell, Joe Elliott, Phil Collin, um, Johnny D from Doro, um, Eddie Trunk, huge UFO fan, super nice guy. Um, just a bunch of other people. I mean, some people from overseas that toured with him, you know, also, um, you can look it up. It's the Paul Chapman celebration of life on youtube it's it's been a wild ride actually um after he passed because like you said everybody's got a story you know i i have talked to so many people and one lady even came up to me she's like you remember me i'm like no and she's like i used to babysit you when your dad would play at that bar and then i'm like (laughs) 
How old was I? Oh, I was three. Yeah, no, I don't remember you. Like uh, like your father, his heroes, like you said, Pink Floyd, the Stones, the Beatles, because he was a kid when they were young and in their yeah. prime. And Kermit, he was the same way looking up to your dad, right. where young bands now look up to the Metallicas. It's uh, it just that, that's one constant that always yeah. happens. You mentioned something about how um, it's been the outpour of the rock community that's been reaching out to you. Let's let's touch on some of that. Some of these people that have reached out to you where you're like, well, wait a second. Wait a second. Joe Elliott, a Def Leppard. I didn't even know my dad knew Joe Elliott, a Def Leppard. And here he is calling you to send his condolences. I met Jeff Leopard when I was 15 with them, but it would, my dad brought 15 people. It wasn't like you can bring like your family. My dad brought 15 people backstage at Jeff Leopard. So it was very quick, very fast. Um, my dad and Steve were actually really good friends, Steve Clark that passed away and Phil. Um, but my brother actually trashed their room when he was two. They were at a uh, uh, Def Leppard concert in like 1987 or 80. It was before I was born. Or it was like right after I was born. And they left him in the dressing room while they went and watched the show. A toddler. Okay. <laughs> that's the rock and roll lifestyle, you know. Hey, that, that's, he, rock yeah. that's rock and roll. Yeah. That's rock. And they came back and he trashed the room. And I mean, what else would a toddler do? So lucky he didn't get drunk. <laughs> yeah. And. So when we went, when we were, you know, 15, 16 years old, they, they remembered him. They're like, we, you little shit. Like you were the kid that, that destroyed the room and we were laughing about it. Still, it didn't click. Like it did not click. And then after, you know, the thing with the Joe Elliott situation was he was a fan of my dad before he was in UFO. He was a fan of my dad when he was in Lone Star which was a band he was in in like 1976, 75. I can't remember. There's been so many. Um, but he used to hitchhike to go see my dad play. <laughs> that was like, what? Really? Yeah. There was like all of these stories that come out. And like you said, the outpouring of people. I've, I, I've talked to, you know, the Def Leppard guys, all the guys from UFO have been really, really sweet. Um, all of the everybody everybody in the music community that loved him and adored him uh, have just been great keeping his legacy alive for me talked about um this the outpouring and and the, and the people you know we um are very familiar with uh billy sheehan up here in rochester or up where Verdo is up in rochester new york well, uh, um, he, he, uh, and he showed me a picture as a matter of fact Boy, he looked like 10 years old. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he, he was yelling. Just yeah. a little kid. Talk about Billy a little bit. Billy was Billy was amazing. He was super, super nice and very generous um, taking the time because there was a, a lot of people in line waiting to talk to him um, and sharing his stories with me. Um, your dad was a great guy. He was full of love. I mean, just... Everybody says the same thing. He was just such a good man to to people. He was such, he was a good people person, um, and they bonded very well together. They kept in touch um, over the years, and thankful for social media, they were able to still keep in touch. And he told me the story about how my dad was too cheap to buy new pants, so he would duct tape over the groin area before a show every night. And he said, then they all gather around to watch him take it off because it would be stuck to his junk basically (laughs) um but yeah billy was a really nice guy and and like just when i told him i sent him a picture of me and rudy you know like got to meet rudy and he's like um nice guy good friend of mine um he just he's always you know he'll check in and say hey how's it going or i followed his whole tour right now with mr big and um they were in like japan and he was uh posting all of these things very active on facebook um, so I was, you know, telling him like watching these sold out shows, <laughs> like I, it, it makes me miss my dad because there was a lot of projects in the works that he had going on that could have brought him out to do other things. Um, just, you know, when he joined UFO, it was the, 
the prime time, like Biff Byford from Saxon said, where were you in 79 when the dam began to burst? Because that whole new wave of British heavy metal, it, it was it's kind of like the way Heidi was, my wife, uh, when the grunge started. She was there at the beginning. But for us, me and the Vernomatic, we were there for the beginning of something that just was special. Your father was in UFO. Um, at the time, you had Phil Mogg, Pete Way, uh, Paul Raymond, who actually uh, ended up leaving for one of the albums. They played as a four-piece. And then the other long-timer, Andy Parker, who you mentioned earlier. These guys were just a, a great band. Perfect timing for them. Like you said, your father um, replaced Michael Shanker at the time, who had just left the band. And uh, I, I loved the, the four albums he was on. My first... Uh, experience with the ufo album was the mechanics album your your father's third album that he had performed with ufo and just great stuff on there classic british new wave of heavy metal yeah. stuff on there i would have loved to have been a 14 year old kid over in you know south london or whatever just anywhere over there catching gigs at the hammersmith that was my brother that was my brother yeah he got to do all of that stuff. And I'm like, you know, but the thing is, too, is like I'm looking through all of his pictures. My dad was huge on taking photographs and videos. I mean, there was a camera all the time and the disposable ones. So he would do triple or quadruple copies every time. So now I have all of these pictures. And what's crazy is I I, I see a picture of Andy Parker making a face like, eh. And I text it to him and I go, you want to tell me what's wrong here? And and he'll come up with this and he'll tell me the whole story behind the picture. And I'm like, wow, okay. You know, and I I see, I told um, I told him last night that, you know, I have a picture of Phil Collin and having Sunday dinner with my grandparents, <laughs> you I, know, and I, I get I, to- uh, I, Auto book that, we yeah. look through that. Oh yeah. And so like, I, I mean, even though- my brothers got to experience all that cool stuff as a kid. Like I'm completely reaping the benefits of being his kid now, meeting these people, hearing the stories, um, you know, learning who he was as a person instead of a dad, like, you know, a superhero rock star dad to me. And he loved the beach. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you earlier, what made him move, want to move to this um, area, Melbourne, Florida? Um, so they were, the the tour with ACDC that they did, one of the roadies from ACDC had a place in Satellite Beach. So uh, he convinced my dad to come here. And that's where my it was like an apartment complex. Um, so my mom was living there and that's how my parents met. <laughs> so right. and my mom's from New Hampshire, like Boston, New Hampshire, all up north area there. So for her to, and him to be at the same place at the same time, you know, and just she felt she she's like, he was like my John Brennan. He had the accent. He played guitar. She didn't know who UFO was either. You know, they had done, I think it was UFO cheap trick. And it wasn't ACDC. I, I can't, I cannot recall. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I'm fuzzy with all. I, I mean, I have been, I, I should start writing things down a lot more. <laughs> Man, what a sign of the times, a young UFO touring with a young ACDC with Bon Scott and Rush and Cheap Trick. The 70s arena rock circuit was just insane. And then to top it off, you have, this is pre-cell phones, so you have all these pictures that people take, and here it is 30, 40 years later, you're finding these pictures. Just incredible, incredible sign of the times. Hey, listen, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Brittany's going to tell us what it was like for her father when he became a recording member of UFO and what his role was within the band. We'll be right back with Brittany Chapman. Growing up, Chapman. Metal Mayhem ROC. I'm Metalhead. Metal Mayhem ROC is the home for metal from the very beginnings. This is James DeBerry from Hellstar. You're listening to Burn Nomadic. Dave Overkill from the 
Cleveland band, Destructor. Hey, Dave, how are you? I'm doing great. It's a long-time headliner. Hey, this is Red Beach from Whitesnake. Hey, this is Vinny Apathy from Dio, Black Sabbath, and Last in Line. To music of today. Hi, this is Olaf Wickstrand from Enforcer. Hi, this is Brian from Mastodon. You're listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. With John the Vernomatic Verna. Plus, we talk with producers and authors to give you behind-the-scenes info. Hi, this is William Irwin, author of The Meaning of Metallica, Ride the Lyrics. Greg Renoff, the author of the book Van Halen Rising, and the uh, Ted Templeman book, A Platinum Producer's Life in Music. Pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Metal Mayhem ROC. A proud member of the Pantheon podcast team. Giving you more to listen for. Join our community. And always remember to keep it heavy. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Brittany, I wanted to just circle back a little bit about the UFO days, because even though your father started recording with them in 1881. It was all the way back in the mid-70s where, honestly, he would fill in. He played with the band on tour. He replaced Michael Schenker on one of those Rush tours. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a recording member yet. Did you ever get privy to any conversation about, and I hate to put it this way, but the mid to late 70s UFO drama? Um- he was almost treated as a pawn in all that. A bit. Um, I agree with that. I There was times where he would talk about, you know, certain situations where he felt a little alone in the band. Um, there was no, the camaraderie of the band because everybody already had a bond and like, you know, so, but he loved to play and he loved mm-hmm. he he knew that they would have a big following and like i said i i think you know he had that main character energy to where you know yeah him and michael are not the same and like we discussed i fight with people all the time on the internet about it he wasn't the same and they were big shoes to fill but my dad had a very bluesy style of playing and very i don't want to say careless not careless but he was very more free with it as opposed to being by the book, note for note, lick for lick. He kind of went off with it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen him just go 
and and play and just go to another place in his mind. And it's just like, I'm sitting there watching his hands like, hello, <laughs> are you okay? Michael Shanker tells everybody this, that he doesn't like to listen to anybody so that he would never be influenced by anybody but himself. Now, when I listen to your father play, that stuff's coming from the heart. His soloing, his techniquing, uh, it's it's one of a kind for sure. Oh, yeah. And his his favorite thing to do was gift you music. Like, I have songs that he's written for me that I, I they're the best. I he wrote me a song for my sixth birthday and slow danced with me in the in the kitchen to it and never forgot it because he had to hold me because my arms are like wrapped around his head and he had to hold me. And um, when I got married, we danced to it at my wedding. Um, and then uh, he did a couple of covers as well, Beatle covers. Um, he just, he loved to gift here's, you know, Christmas, I would have CDs of stuff that he would mix and do in my stocking, <laughs> you know, here's like, and, and stuff that I like, liked, like we loved the Beatles, the Beatles, he would play guitar and I would sing and he would record it. So I have all of these cassettes of us singing together that he saved and it's, it's awesome. And, and he's, you know, I have to be loud because the chaos in the house i was the loudest kid and um you know so he's calling we'd be singing he's like stop shouting you know and he'd keep playing stop shouting because i'm like yelling into the microphone he had everything he had a whole studio set up he built me a stage one time in the garage to, to perform on um you know he was just very big into you know this is for you this is for you give 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 and then take 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 mm-hmm. take too anytime you know Someone would offer him something like when, you know, do you want to play here? Do you want to do this? Do you want to join us? Take it up. He would take it all in. And I loved watching him play. He played for Gator Country, um, which were the Molly Hatchet guys. Molly Hatchet, yeah. (laughs) Which was a whole, okay, so this is what we're doing now type thing because it was Southern Rock. How'd that come about? They're Northern Florida. Jacksonville area, yeah. Yeah. Westside, Jacksonville. I can't, yeah. I can't exactly remember. I know he was friends with, um, what was his name that passed away? The guitar player. Dave LeBeck or Dwayne Holland. Dwayne Holland. Yep. They were buds. And he took over for Dwayne for a couple. Uh, they No, they did a tour. And um, that was crazy, too, because he hosted them at the house all the time. So we went from... Ooh. British rock stars to Southern bumpkins. <laughs> so you, you, we had people over all the time and they're, they're telling stories about Skinner and this band and that band. And now it's all music all over again, but a whole other style. And, you know, well, the funny thing with that was that was Molly Hatchet, but the, the brand name Molly Hatchet was touring with no original members. So if you wanted right. to go see Molly Hatchet, you had to go see Gator Country. Gator Country. Right. I got one last question about the whole UFO thing. Okay, yeah. N- 93. Well, the UFO disbanded in, you know, 83, 84, whenever that was. But then in 93, they started, um, you know, getting the band back together. And Paul was supposed to be included, but at the last minute, they got Michael Schenker back. You know anything about that? No, actually, I don't. The last thing, let's see, three years. So back in like 2017, um, my dad and Pete had thought about getting wasted back together. And they were going to be doing a whole wasted reunion. They Well, he had all of these plans. And I don't know. I, I mean, I know that in the 90s, like you said, it was, you said it was 93? 93 ish. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, actually they came they came to Florida too, I believe. Something UFO did a tour where they did like two shows in Florida and and he he didn't go. And I'm not sure why. Um and but he was still on great terms with everybody. I just don't know if it was an ego thing, you know, with with men, I guess, and rock stars, no offense. I don't know. You know, I got to meet I, I mean, obviously, Pete, Pete was such a mess. <laughs> um, uh, and Phil, I got to meet them. Uh, Phil came down for, I think it was a week. Um, 
And uh, my dad got to take him to go see like a shuttle launch um, up at the uh, space center. So that was cool when Phil was here. Um, and I got to meet Phil. And I remember when I was younger, my dad used to wear Speedos. Because that's a very British thing. But as we started very to get English. older, we were like, yeah, like, dad, you can't wear that to the beach here. Like, people don't wear those here, you know? So, no. um, he Not stopped. even at uh, Playa Linda, they don't wear them even up there. <laughs> you know. They don't wear anything up there. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so he, Phil was here. And I just remember being mortified that he was on the beach with us because he was in a Speedo. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm here with this guy like dad doesn't wear him anymore and he's a freaking rock star and i'm embarrassed because of what he's wearing you know that was just i don't know who the hell you are but you need to cover up because i don't want to see that that's how i was as a kid i was so embarrassed he had my dad he had these ugly speedos <laughs> that explains those old iron maiden studio photos from the the bahamas oh. that's a uh, compass point in the bahamas must be a uh, British UK Wales thing. <laughs> um, there was a week where um, Finn from Wasted, the singer Wasted, was here. Pete was here, and or no, not Pete. It was Mike Gibbons from Badfinger. He was a drummer of Badfinger, but he lived in Orlando, and they spent a week at the house. No, it was Pete. It was, it, they call it the, we called it the lost week because I never once could understand anything that they said the whole time. Um, my dad was very big into like medieval stuff. So one night they just were stumbling around hammer drunk and decided to knight people in the house with these huge swords. And I'm like, hi, 15 year old daughter here. Let's not play with sharp objects while drinking, please. <laughs> So nobody listens to me and Pete gets down on one knee and my dad's got the sword and he's, you know, trying to knight him and he's, and my friends are there and, you know, they're laughing because there's just a bunch of old British drunk guys that you can't understand a word they're saying playing with swords. So my friend gets on her knee and Pete's like, I'm going to knight you. And I'm like, can you imagine that phone call as a parent? Like, sorry, we sliced your daughter's ear off because, you know, we let a drunk rock star just put a knife to her face. But he was, um, he fell a bunch. Pete was a stumbler, but he came, he fell through my bedroom door while we were sleeping and uh, was looking for something to help keep him awake. <laughs> he was like, do you guys have any? And we were like, yeah. and he's like, I'm sorry. You know, and then I heard my dad yelling at him for coming in the room while we were <laughs> sleeping. And then here comes another, you know, drunk rock star tumbling in. Do you know where the Pop-Tarts are? And I'm like, we don't know where the Pop-Tarts are. <laughs> we just want to go to bed. Rock and roll, rock and roll, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Well, I want to talk about the uh, the elephant in the room here. Um, you know Ed Eddie Trunk. You talked to Eddie Trunk quite a bit. Um, mm -hmm. He was a great advocate for... Uh, you know, getting Rush and amongst other people and other things too, but uh, promoting and, and trying to get Rush into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Why the fuck is UFO not in the Hall of Fame? Um, I think it's bullshit. <laughs> I think it's bullshit, honestly, because they they have had 50 years, 50 years they toured. And regardless of who was in, who was out, that's a long freaking time to to keep going didn't they just do a 50 year anniversary i believe they did and they still have two original members phil mogg and andy parker and and neil carter was there too right wasn't neil carter on tour with them as well i believe he was there i don't know i think part of it is one because it's an american museum okay. and two they weren't as popular in the states right. back in their heyday they, I hate to say it, but, you know, they were just a very heavily cult kind of band, even though they got tons of cred and all that. And the third thing is, right. it's a long time. The farther away it is, the less of the glow of the star. It's it's an uphill battle. Bands like Iron Maiden, UFO, I mean, Christ, Deep Purple and Rush, it was a struggle to get in there. Where that's no-brainers, then you get bands like yeah. Guns N' Roses, who it's a first... That's, first year eligibility entry of essentially one album. 
you know, that's a whole other story. Well, and you know what? That's another thing in going back into the music community reaching out. He didn't personally reach out to me, but Slash did a tribute to my dad when he found out that he passed on his social media. And I was like, what? Slash? What? You know, like, you do get those some like, I'll wear a UFO shirt out and I'll, I'll wear it to concerts where I know some people will know who they are, you know? Um, I went to Rockville in um, Daytona and this guy just came running up to me and he's like, how do you know who they are? And I was like, well, that's my dad right here. I have Tonka tattooed on my arm here. So I was just like, yeah, you know, that's my dad. And he was like, no way. And so he brought his buddy over and his buddy's like, you know, it's a festival that you can camp at. And he's like, we were setting up camp this morning and we were jamming UFO. You know, I have. I work in a dental office. I have dental patients. I'll play, you know, music and we'll talk about music. My favorite question to ask people is, what was your first concert? How old were you? And who did you go with? And the stories that people come up, like, I loved hearing about it. And one guy was like, oh, I saw a UFO and Cheap Trick, you know, and I saw, you know, I've met like three people that have come into my office that are huge UFO fans. One guy came in and he was all excited in his new UFO shirt. It was Michael. <laughs> He's like, look at my shirt. And he, I was like, oh, that's Michael. And he's like, oh, I didn't realize it. I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> like, we saw Wasted. With Iron Maiden. You did? Yeah. Uh, peace of mind to her. I actually just found my Wasted shirt. This was the Savior Prayers Tour. What year? It doesn't say. <laughs> um, what? What? Where was it? It was Rochester, New York. No, it's not on here. Memorial Day? Was that Memorial Day Madness? Labor Day. Labor Day. Yeah, this one was in March. I don't know what this tour, Save Your Prayers, maybe it was just the album. I'm not sure. I feel like Wasted was really more him. I heard a lot more Wasted growing up than I did UFO, if that says anything. (laughs) Good band. I did an interview with this uh, MTV producer, Brian Diamonds, and he told me the story that UFO replaced Ozzy in the Florida show when Randy Rhodes died. Yeah, so I heard the story about that. Um, My dad was actually supposed to take him to the dentist because he had a toothache. Apparently, the story was um, they were in, I believe, Lakeland. Lakeland and um so my dad wasn't with them there but they had he was with him two days before and Randy had started to get a toothache and my dad said when we get to Florida I'll go with you to the dentist and then um my mom picked my dad up from Melbourne airport and had told him because she had heard on the radio that Randy had passed away and she told my dad and it it ruined him for a bit and they went out to eat to like you know, she picked him up at the airport. They went to a restaurant. And she said that people were trying to talk to him. And, oh, my gosh, you know, you're here for the concert. And he didn't want to talk to anybody because, obviously, the the news of that was. But he 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 spoke very highly of Randy about being just a very sweet kid. Basically, he was a kid. But um, when people started to pass away when we got older, like when Lemmy died and I, I saw my dad grieve that, you know, um, still didn't click about that. They were, you know, but it started to like, when people started just passing away and, and I talked to him and he would just be so bummed about it, you know, hearing about his friends dying. I got a message this morning. Um, Bernie, um, Marston, Marston Marston from Whitesnake. But he played in UFO. It was first gig was in UFO. I had no idea. 1972, I guess, was his first gig in UFO. When I say like the world grieved with me, I get letter letters. I get messages from fans weekly. I get pictures from people that grew up with him. You know, oh, here's a picture of your dad and I when we were 16 years old outside of this. And they have a whole story to go with it. You know, and I'm like, tell me more. Tell me more. Because I can't ask him now. You know, I can't call him up and be like, is this lady crazy or, well, excuse me, is this lady crazy or is, is, you know, tell me, I want to hear your side now. I don't, I don't have that. So I'm very grateful 
for the people that have been so kind to share. I mean, people send me videos and pictures of their guitar lessons that they had with him. You know, when he had his shop downtown, I used to pass there on my way home from work every day. Wasn't that the was that the Guitar Haven that he was at? One of them. Yep. He had two. Then the Guitar Haven was towards like the the later times. Um, yeah. So he. Where was the other studio down there? It was off Strawbridge, right where the, okay. the Kava Bar is right there on the corner. There, there's, yeah. It's like a wine built a wine place now, but it used to be called Total Guitars. And he ran that there. Okay. I used to run around downtown all the time as a kid because you know, I'd go to work with him during the summer and just run around. <laughs> when he would have parties at the house, he would invite his students over to to have dinner and and I we've had, you know, surgeons, doctors, nurses, um producers, you know, people that took lessons from him that did all aspects of different careers, you know, and they would come over and just it was a show he put on a show at home <laughs> like you could sell tickets to go hang out at paul's house on the weekend because it was always but he it was just he always had the eclectic you know and his students reaching out to me about things actually um two of his guitar students now teach guitar and other things but they teach too and so that's kind of cool to see them. My nephew was taking guitar lessons from one of them after my dad had passed. And um, so it's just been the small town, too. He was here for a while. Hey, Brittany, seeing that your dad died in June of 2020 and Eddie Van Halen passed away in October of 2020, did uh, your father ever share with you ever meeting Eddie? Any relations with Eddie? I know one's American and um, Van Halen wasn't too popular over in Europe and it's a different generation, but because of the significance of Eddie Van Halen, you, you ever share anything? Not really. Not that I can remember. Um, there was just a lot of, there was always stories. So sometimes, you know, it, I should have benefited more as to listening and paying attention to what he was saying about people. Um, but there probably is. I just, I'm not aware Um he just, he, yeah. I mean, there was a time where he went to, uh, he, he loved Pantera. He was a Pantera fan. He was a Dimebag mm -hmm. fan, you know? So it was like, you know, him being a fan of somebody's guitar playing was like, okay, that guy's got to be like super, super good if he likes him, you know, type thing. He was a, he was a big Dimebag fan. Um, I remember that as well. Um, but I don't, I don't remember any Van Halen story. Like, he did actually, I know we're going to, speed this up but his last tour he did he joined a swedish band called killer b mm -hmm. um and they did a tour with um la guns and the bullet boys wow. yeah and that was in I, I believe it was 2015 and that was the taste that like i got a taste of my dad being on tour at the time and i'm an adult yeah. now so now i'm i'm calling the bus driver <laughs> I'm like, is he staying hydrated? Yeah. <laughs> is everybody eating? Um, you know, did, do we need to do anything? Can I send a package somewhere? And they're like, no, he's fine. You know, and I'd call him and I'm like, dad, you look like you could eat a sandwich. And he's like, you know, leave me alone. <laughs> this is what I do. And I'm like, okay, just making sure you're taking care of yourself. And we actually got to see them play in, um, it was in Georgia. And I got to meet Tracy for the first time, I got to meet um, Phil Lewis and I got to meet uh, Phil Lewis. I got to meet all of them. Um, I got and that was that was really cool too. I worked their their merch booth. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> like, and the Bullet Boys, Mark and, uh, Mark and Mark and Mark. Yeah, Mark. Um, What's his name? Yeah, Torin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice guy. Yeah, that was a fun. That was fun because I never got to see my dad in that aspect of. And there was a lot of UFO fans at that show. A lot of UFO fans everywhere. It's uh... I know, but I, I I saw him play with Gator Country, and there were no wow. UFO fans, you know. And then you you go to something more his speed, and it was it was really cool because a lot of the fans there were there the to CBS. see him. And Killer B was awesome. He loved working with them and touring with them. So that was that was fun to see. Well, you know, I got to, but I'm glad it was a brief. 
I don't know how long he could survive on tour again, being that age. I don't even know how old he was at the time, but I just, I would FaceTime him and I'm like, are you eating? Are you drinking water? And he's like, stop. <laughs> Did you get the sandwiches I packed, Dad? <laughs> like, let me take care of you. I'm going to let John finish this up, but before I go, I just want to ask you, uh, do you have any websites or social media handles to share something online, a, something you put together, a remembrance video of some sort? Yeah, I did. His celebration of life is on YouTube. Um, but they have, he has a guy that, um, named Steve that runs his fan page on Facebook called Paul Tonka Chapman fan page. Um, so they, he's constantly uploading pictures and videos and stories and all sorts of stuff like that. So that's, you know, the, the celebration of life is really cool because you can watch the testimonials from the different, you know, musicians and people that were super important in his life that reached out and sent some beautiful words to tribute to him. And listeners, if you're out there listening to this and you happen to have an old photo of yourself with Paul or something, send it along to Brittany on Facebook or send it here to Metal Mayhem ROC and we'll send it along to her. That's that's stuff you, you can't put a price on and that's the common thread that's uh we're celebrating tonight you know the love of your dad and the outreach from the metal community so Brittany, thank you for uh, spending time with us tonight i'll let john say goodbye and we'll definitely stay in touch absolutely thank you so much well thank you Brittany. um thank you very much it was wonderful to see you i'm glad we were able to get together and and talk about um, your father, Paul, um, dearly missed, great rock and roll guitar legend. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Good night. Metal for Life. Thank you for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our website at metalmayhemroc.com for information on podcasts, archives, links to all our live radio shows, and all sorts of info. Please like, follow, and share with everyone, even your non-metal friends. And always remember to keep it heavy. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.